Mommy needs a quarantine. And our moms may be spending a lot of time with their kids right now. A lot. Like, so, so much time. And even though they love their kids to the moon and back, Sometimes moms need a little alone time. Mommy! You know, to recharge. Go talk to daddy. Mommy! Where are you? Mommy! Are you in there? Mommy! I just wanna lie in the sun. But no matter what's happening in the world, their favorite way to spend time is with their family. In good times, in hard times. Mom! Hi. You're breaking everything! In uncertain times. Thank you, Mom, for making time for us every single day. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I ask that you would watch over us as we go to bed and rest, that you'd speak to us in Bible stories and speak to us in... Uh... Happy Mother's Day and welcome to Seneca Community Church Online. We're glad that you've decided to join us this morning. Today we're going to be uh, putting some pieces from different services together. Uh, I was uh, had a couple days off this week and went to the Adirondacks to do a little kayaking and camping. The leadership team was good enough to give me a few days away. Uh, so we're going into the archives and pulling out a message from a few years ago entitled Running on Empty. And uh, that seemed to be a really relatable me message for today as uh, many of us are still dealing and wrestling with COVID-19, uh, finances, uh, distancing with relationships and all those kinds of things. And so we thought it would be good to talk about what do you and I do when we're running on empty. Um, also, you're gonna notice that we've pieced together some uh, worship sets from other services, uh, celebrating uh, Mariah and Aaron Schrader's birth of their little daughter, Evelyn, and so we put the music together to give her uh, the time away with her new baby. So that's fantastic. So again, uh, glad to have you with us this morning, this Mother's Day. Uh, let's open our time together in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of moms. Uh, some of us uh, have uh, women that were, in a sense, spiritual moms, and we really thank you for them. Uh, we also thank you for our moms and the way they uh, helped shape our lives. And we're just so glad for the way you put them into our lives. We just ask that uh, as we listen in on, as we sing together, as uh, we hear your word, that you would truly speak to our hearts. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You remain in control in the middle of the war. You guard my soul. You alone are the anchor. When my sails are torn, your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. When the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet, between the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see. When I realize I've been let down by my friends and my family, I can feel the rain reminding me In the eye of the storm You remain in control In the middle of the war You guard my soul You alone are the anchor When my sails are torn Your love surrounds me In the eye of the storm hopes and dreams are far from me and I'm running out of faith. I see the future I picture 
slowly fade away And when the tears of pain and heartache Are pouring down my face Will I find my peace in Jesus' name? In the eye of the storm You remain in control In the middle of the war You guard my soul You alone are the anchor When my sails are torn your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Oh, 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 just don't know how I'm gonna make ends meet. I did my best, now I'm scared to death that we might lose everything. And when sickness takes my child away and there's nothing I can do, my only hope is to trust you. I trust you, Lord, in the eye of a storm. You remain in control in the middle of the war. You guard my soul, you alone are the anchor, when my sails are torn, your love surrounds me, in the eye of the storm, in the eye of the storm, you remain in control, in the middle of the war, you guard my soul, you alone are the anchor, when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no so I could stand and sing. 
one call, or there's many calls, but there's one call in particular that I just don't understand, and it pushes all my buttons, and that call is this. Hey, Dad, I only have about 15 miles till I run out of gas, and the computer says, I have, my GPS says I have 18 miles to go. What should I do? Get to a gas station. And, and, the, and the reason I don't understand that question or that concept is, I hate to say it, is, is I've, I've never run out of gas, and uh, now I will today on the way home or something, but uh, I, I, just, I, just don't, I just don't get that, I don't understand that, and of course, it doesn't help the conversation anyway when I say to the girls, I never ran out of gas, what's the problem? But I, I, just, I just don't get how they can let the tank get so low but I certainly get that concept when it comes to, in a sense, my life. And I can see times where uh, I run out of gas. And, uh, you know, as, I, as you're listening this morning and you feel like, wow, Dave's pointing his finger at me, I'm actually pointing three fingers back at me. Because, hi, I'm Dave Spencer, and I'm a runner-on-empty kind of guy when it comes to a lot of my life. And uh, when, when Jackson Brown sings that song that we heard in the opener, uh, running on, running on empty, running, on, running blind, running, running into the sun, he's really not just singing about uh, his car. He's really singing about life. Because no matter where any of us are, there are times in life, there are seasons in life. It doesn't matter if you've been a faithful Christ follower for years and years and years, uh, or if you're just getting into it or if you're just checking things out, all of us have that common experience that, in a sense, we're running on fumes. And uh, it may be financial, it may literally be our car, it may be emotional fumes, whatever it may be, it may be time. Uh, sometimes people refer to it as not having enough margin. Whatever it may be, we've all been in that place where we find ourselves running on empty. And if I'm completely honest with you, I have a, a love-hate relationship with running on empty. Because there's sometimes it's exhilarating to run close to that line, to live on the edge, to, to just have enough to get through or get it done. These guys, uh, you're going to see here, really were enjoying the idea of running on empty, but not enjoying it. They have, a, in a sense, a love hate relationship with it, and maybe you can relate to them. There's a now. There's still some overlap between the needle and the slash below the E. How low are you going to go? Oh, I've been in the slash many times. This is nothing. You'll get used to it. Just put it out of your mind. <laughs> Have you ever been completely below the slash? Well, I almost did once, and I blacked out. Yeah, there's that love-hate relationship running on empty. Hate it, but love it. But eventually, eventually, running on empty does catch up with us. Uh, ev eventually, we get caught. And when we get caught, uh, the price we have to pay uh, emotionally, sometimes financially, sometimes spiritually, sometimes relationally, is huge. So, so how are we going to do this? What do we do with this idea of running on empty? How do we 
on our road trip of life, how do we deal with it? How do we plan for it? Uh, how do we expect it? And then how do we, in a sense, drive through it? Now, I'm going to use some NASCAR concepts, ideas, and uh, I'm in danger zone talking about NASCAR because I know nothing about it. I had to call Jonathan Monfiletto, so blame him if I get something wrong and say, okay, I'm talking about this, and I want a term for this, this, this from NASCAR, and I, I think I got it right. But uh, if I didn't, I didn't. So, but anyway, so with this idea of running on empty, for a lot of us, it starts in, in a sense, the, the winner's circle. We start in this place where life is cranking, where, where life is good, where all the pieces are falling into place. Kramer and I think it was Rick, they, they feel like they're winning, but eventually they run out of gas. Eventually, running on empty catches up with them. But for the moment, they're pumped up. And when it comes, it, we, we just are caught by surprise. Not maybe because the warning lights weren't there. It's just we're running on adrenaline. We're running on fumes. We're able to keep going. Now, there's a story of a man in the Older Testament that was in the winner's circle. And yet we're going to find that very quickly he discovers he was actually running on empty even when he was, quote-unquote, winning and the bottom of his life drops out. So if you want to turn over to 1 Kings 17, verse 1, that's page 245 in the Bible you'll find around you. Uh, we'll have the verses up on the screen also. Um, we also suggest that uh, if you have an electronic device, you don't have a Bible, that you, you download um, version, and then you can have a Bible on your phone or your tablet or your whatever and have that with you all the time. So in verse 1 of 17, we read, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gildad said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. We read that and go, oh, that was, that was huge. That was financial crash for the northern kingdom. Those words, if they came true, meant everything was going to get wiped out. Agriculture, livestock, this is a big deal. They, their, their whole world rose and fell on rain. And if there was no rain, that was a big deal. So Elijah goes into the king, Ahab, who, who doesn't really like anything to do with God. Uh, he's got his wife named Jezebel. And, uh, you know, and she's infamous for being a wicked, mean, nasty woman. Uh, if you get called Jezebel even today, thousands of years later, we, we know what that means. Uh, if you've ever been called, Je no, don't raise your hand if you've ever been called Jezebel, but you know what I mean. But uh, so, so this is, so he goes into the palace, he gives this pronouncement, and, uh, you know, he, he's thinking he's not going to get out alive. That's a part of his thinking. I, I, you know, the minute the king acknowledges my presence, the minute I say, you know, God is going to pull the rug out from under this whole economy system. It's going to be bad times. Uh, usually a king like uh, Ahab would say, let's take him out. Uh, something like if you lived in North Korea right now and said anything that hinted to disagreement. Uh, your history. Your history. And so Elijah gets there, and, and he actually gets out, and he's alive. And so he's starting to be in this, this winter circle. I, I go into this really risky time, and God actually walks me out of there, and I'm alive. Then the Lord says to this to him, he says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave there, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. So in other words, God's saying, you know, as it gets drier and drier, Ahab may come looking for you. So let, let's get you hidden away. Let, let's hide. You'll drink from the brook. I, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Again, winter circle stuff. You know, he gets away from Ahab. Ahab can't get his hands on him. Uh, he feels pretty safe. He's got this, this babbling brook. He's, the ravens are taking care of his food supply. Everything's good. He, he's winning. God's showing up in his life. And I'm sure every morning, especially with the brook, but really, really with the ravens providing food for him, th this was a great thing. Every day, God is stepping into his life. It's very apparent to him. Uh, some of us sometimes long for that, don't we? Don't we long to actually see God's hand in our life on a daily basis? Uh, it's there uh, just because God may be um, uh, 
silent in our lives. Doesn't mean he's still, but uh, sometimes we want it to be just a little bit more apparent to us. Wow, God just did that. He just showed up. That was a God moment. Well, well, Elijah is living God moments every day. It's an everyday God moment kind of a thing. And he's there. So he, he's, he's, he's in that winning circle. And then we move on just a little bit farther down the line. This, may not, this is not good news. Sometime later, the brook dried up. Again, we're in a drought, and there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him again and said, go to, a, go to a region, and there I will direct a widow to supply you with food. So, so he, he's out, but God shows up again. And if you know the story about the widow, the widow is basically out of food herself, but God miraculously provides. Elijah is a part of the process. So, so this, this is sweet. Uh, living on the edge, but God continues to show up. God is directing him. God is moving him. And uh, then even there's this crazy time where the widow's son dies, and Elijah gets to speak into this and gets to be a part of this. And at first, it looks, again, really bad, but, but God speaks into this thing, and, and this, the widow's son is raised from the dead. And uh, he's, again, he's upset about this, but again, he's in this uh, winning circle. We see this, the child is alive, and then the woman says, Elijah, now I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is from your mouth is true. It's interesting. Uh, he had been involved in providing food for them, which was a big deal. If you remember the story, that's a big deal, but this is the big deal that finally the woman says, you know, you're one of God's guys. This is fantastic. And so again, Elijah's in this, everything's getting confirmed. Life isn't easy, but everything's getting confirmed. God's a part of his life. He's in this, this winning circle. So about three years goes by from the time he made his announcement to King Ahab, and now things are just so dry it's, it's really hard. Uh, people now are not worried about crops and livestock. They're worried about their own drinking water. They're worried about water. So things are getting crazy, and uh, God again speaks to Elijah, and this is what he says. He says, after a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present him to Ahab, and now the famine was severe in Samaria. See, now it's being called a famine. It's not even a drought anymore. There's no food. Uh, Elijah's making it, but Elijah's still being used by God. And then there's this moment where all of a sudden now Ahab is, uh, sends a word out. Elijah wants to have this showdown. He wants to have this big battle to show that Ahab and his pagan gods, there were two gods, there was one of fertility and one of uh, economic wealth and all those kinds of things. And uh, so they're going to have a showdown at Mark Carmel. Some of you may remember this. If you grew up going to church, Sunday school, uh, the flannel graph would come out. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I loved this story. This was awesome. There was going to be fire. There was going to be the bad guys get wiped out. Uh, just, just crazy stuff going on. So it's all set in motion, and, and Elijah's the man. Um, Elijah gets there and uh, basically says, okay, uh, prophets of Baal, uh, you have the morning to uh, get your God to call down fire onto your sacrifice and uh, see what happens. And they just, hour after hour after hour, do all these antics. They even hurt themselves to try to get God's, their God's attention, and uh, nothing happens. And uh, Elijah, I love this, you know, he's like, where, where is your God? Is he sleeping? Uh, is he in the bathroom? Where is he? You know, just, you know, just all this kind of stuff, and that just works them up more, and, and nothing's happened. And then now it is time for Elijah's turn. And so Elijah, what he does is he uh, gets ready and he calls the people. He says, I want you to dump barrel after barrel after barrel of water. He does this a number of times on his sacrifice. And, uh, you know, it's a very small, it's a very, I mean, not small, very unornate, uh, pretty standard, uh, you know, altar, 12 stones representing each tribe of Israel. And he's got it all set up. And uh, then, you know, he gets it trenched. Uh, then all of a sudden, he just prays. Can you imagine this? Just pray. He says, you know, fire, come down, burn up the sacrifice. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also looked up all the water in the trench. And everybody's like, whoa, wow. There's Elijah, you know, this is, he's in the winter circle. Things are great. 
When all the people see this, they, they fell prostrate, fell on their faces and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And then, then he gets to, he says, All right, let's get those bad prophets. Let's take them out. And so there's all this stuff going on. And, uh, you know, he's, he's on the winning circle. Things are great. I'm sure in his mind he's thinking, Wow, this is going to be a great change uh, for the kingdom. Things are going to be good. People are going to start following God. Now I'm on the inner side, and things, things are just wonderful. And, and, it, and it goes on, though. It just doesn't stop there. And then meanwhile, he prays for rain, and meanwhile, the sky grew blank, black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started, to fall, started falling, and Ahab, the king, rode off to Jezreel to see Jezebel. So you've got this, this great opportunity. You've got this great situation where, man, Ahab, Elijah is in the winning circle. Everything's going well for him. But all of a sudden, something that uh, is just crazy happens. Uh, when I was growing up, going to church, going to Sunday school, kids zone, I, I never heard this part of the story. I just, it just ended here. And you're like, yay, Elijah, you know, that's great. You know, the flannel graph, you know, would be up there. And you'd be like, yeah, that's awesome, you know. And you hear about prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And all this, you know, this, wow, this is, this is fantastic. But then something weird happens. And sometimes we've been there. We're in the winter success. Life is going well. All the things seem to be coming together. And then all of a sudden, uh, we hit the wall. And uh, hitting the wall is that place where we find ourselves on empty. And we didn't realize it. Maybe we just didn't realize it. Or maybe by design, we kind of put it off. But leading up through that victory, through all those good things, and it's Interesting for Elijah, you know, it was a, a three-year process. Just didn't sneak up to him. It wasn't a week of living on empty. There was a period of time. And so he lives on empty for a period of time. And all of a sudden, he hits the wall. And he's on empty. He, he, he doesn't seem to have the stamina. He doesn't seem to have the resources just to even keep going. And sometimes you and I have been there. You and I have been there. Things have been going well. And then all of a sudden, there seems to be nothing left. No reserves. Just the other day, we were living like we were, you know, just on top of the world. The car was cruising down the road. It wasn't pinging. It wasn't nothing. And all of a sudden, we hit the, road, hit the wall, and we're on empty. Verse 1 of chapter 19 says this, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything. Elijah had done. Can you imagine, you know, Ahab gets back, and I don't know why Jezebel wasn't there for this big event, but she wasn't. He gets back, and we, we can kind of tell that Jezebel kind of runs things a little bit. And so Ahab comes in, and I'm sure he's a little sheepish. Uh, you know, what happened? You know, where's, 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 where's Elijah's head? I wanted to see it. You know, I wanted to hear that he's done. Uh, no, it didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. And she kind of leans up and think of an evil like witch with long fingernail, you know. And she kind of, you know, says that. And Ahab's kind of like, oh, yes, dear, yes, dear, you know. And, uh, you know, tells whatever's happened. And, well, where are my prophets? He killed them all. They're all dead. So Jezebel writes a letter, note, dear Elijah, may the gods deal with me be ever so severely if by this time, Tomorrow, I do not make you like one of them. Love, Jezebel. No. Um, and then verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. I, I don't think this was new news. But for some reason, some reason, that's all it took. And he was afraid and ran for his life. How did, how did he do the thing in the, with the 450 uh, prophets of Baal? How did he stay by that river? How did he, you know, be with that, that widow and provide for her food and then raise the son? All these guys, those, he seems to have stamina, he seems to have energy, he seems to have a confidence, he seems to have a strength to life. And then this great victory, I mean, th this is huge, just gigantic. And then Jezebel, the person that, uh, the queen that had never liked him and always kind of wanted his head, wanted to take him out, uh, says, I'm going to get you. 
and he, and he just melts. I think it's because he had been running on empty. I think he hit the wall. And that can happen to us at any time if we're running on empty. And uh, what's so interesting is externally, it can look like we're not running on empty. Externally, it can look like there's plenty of gas in the tank. But internally, it's not like that. And Elijah, this great man of God, uh, just folds. Looking on to the second part of verse 3, we read, Now when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than any of my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Amazing. Amazing. He, he, he wants to be done with life. This is almost like a suicide prayer. I mean, this is the guy who prayed for fire to come down, burn up the altar. Same guy. And then he prays, take my life, Lord. I'm done. Uh, he had prayed other things. It had happened. Prayed about the widow's young son. Prayed about other things. It all happens. Praise there's no rain. Praise there is rain. So now, you know, when he's praying, he's, he's not just, it's not wishing. Sometimes, you know, we pray, right? Oh, we pray, and it's kind of like a wish. It's kind of like a hope. For Elijah, it, it, yeah, when he prayed, God worked. God did. God showed up. And so he, he just wants it to be all done. And he just lays down under a bush and just falls asleep, kind of trying to wait for it to happen, wait to be done. You see, he was running on empty, and you and I can be in the same place. We can get fit, getting physically and emotionally and spiritually drained. And Elijah was at that place. He had, just, he had just let everything get depleted. He had just kept running on empty, and at this point, uh, he, he's, just, he's just done. Again, great victory, great winner's circle, and now he's hit the wall. Uh, when they talk about the Boston Marathon, they talk about when you run, the average runner, when they hit the 20-mile mark, if they haven't prepared and done some things, it, it's like they literally hit a wall, and they just, they're, they're done. They're done. And for Elijah, he, he was done. And uh, sometimes we, we think of the physical side of things, we think of the emotional side, obviously we think of the spiritual things, and, and we, don't, we don't always pay attention to those. And we, we let those get those depleted. Uh, sometimes we can know that we're depleting ourselves physically and emotionally and spiritually uh, when your body, when you begin to reject new information. Uh, you don't really hear what somebody else is saying. You don't remember what you've heard. You're overloaded. It's just la, 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 la. It's just talk in the background. And you go, why, why am I responding to that? I, I'm hearing stuff, and, and I'm, just, I'm just kind of ignoring it. It's just like, it's just like static. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been running on empty, and you've hit the wall. Uh, when, when you look at life, and, and you don't see any options, uh, you're having, having trouble seeing alternative courses. You, you feel completely trapped and there's no way out from your perspective. Uh, part of that, at times, can be that you're running on empty. Uh, that, that's where Elijah was. He was running on He didn't see any way out. I mean, one person says, I'm going to get you, after all his victories, and, and he folds. Uh, options gone. Regression. Uh, have you ever had this happen to you? You know, you're so overloaded with stress, uh, and your stress overloads that you start acting like a kid, uh, you know, just being childish, being selfish, uh, all those kinds of things. You see that kind of regression take place. Uh, sometimes even as adults, we find ourselves acting like that because we've, we've just had it. Uh, the inability to change harmful patterns. If we're kind of stuck in a place, wherever that may be, whatever that pattern is, maybe anger, maybe resentment, maybe the way we treat people, uh, you know, whatever that may be, uh, the way we respond, and we just seem trapped in that position, it, it, might, it might be that we're just we're running on empty. And uh, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical uh, stamina just isn't there because it's, it's been gone. You know, sometimes uh, it just involves uh, fatigue. Uh, 
sometimes we've hit the wall and we're emotionally and, and we're just tired all the time. Even when we get a good night's sleep, we're tired and we just see that. Sometimes there's a depression that accompanies all this. No, no matter what happens, it's just heavy. Sometimes for us men, when we're, we're depressed, uh, it shows up in a short uh, fuse. We're angry all the time. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an expression that we're not, we're not happy. And it's just, man, it's just there. It's just there and, uh, because we've been depleted. And, and then there's physical illness. Uh, you, you know, we, we can be on empty. We can run on fumes. We can hit the wall and feel so heavy inside that it actually shows up uh, physically. Uh, I know for me sometimes, not always, but sometimes some of my headaches I get is because I, I'm spent. And uh, it's not because I'm spent tired. And have you ever woken up with a headache in the morning and you go, wow, what's that? Usually when you go to sleep, you, you lose it. It's because I'm spent a little bit. You see, we can all run on uh, empty. It can affect our blood pressure. It can affect all these things. And for Elijah, he had just hit that wall. We have to ask ourselves, are we running on empty? Um, also, uh, one of the causes for this is dealing with difficult people. Um, sometimes uh, you and I, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in more detail, but you and I, just, it's, just, it's difficult people. It's funny that, funny that Elijah heard from Jezebel, and that was it. That, that, was, that, was, just, that was just the word he needed to fold. He's dealing with Jezebel, and, and he just can't take it. And, and sometimes uh, there's just that, there's that person or there's those people, and they just they suck the joy. There's no reserves. And, and we hear what they say, and it carries way too much weight in our heart, in our life. And it's because we've been running on empty. We're depleted. And then obviously there's this idea of isolation. You see that uh, Elijah, he, he leaves his servant, he leaves his friend, and travels on and sometimes you and I when we get depleted when we're running on empty we actually isolate ourselves now there is a time for reflection there's a time to to think things through but often that isolation is a reflection that we ran on empty and we isolate ourselves and when we isolate ourselves the weight of our being depleted just grows and it it just becomes so much heavier and it just just makes us uh, in a sense running on empty also, there's compromised thinking. Uh, we're not thinking clearly when we've run on empty and we've hit the wall. Um, you see this in, uh, you see uh, Elijah mentioned this twice, but in, in verse 14 of chapter 19, he spells it out just one more time. When he says this, he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. And I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. When you and I hit that wall, when we're, we're out of energy, uh, we don't think clearly. Uh, that's why when we're low, we're not supposed to make rash decisions because our, our thinking process is off a little bit. With Elijah, he's exaggerating. He's not the only one. If you read the rest of the story, you're going to find that there's 7,000 others that haven't taken a knee to the gods of Ahab and Jezebel. But he feels like he's the only one. Have you ever been in that situation where you hit the wall, you're on empty, and everything, you, you just, you're just exaggerating. You're not seeing things clearly. There's also a self-pity. <laughs> Woe is me. You know, you know, all this kind of stuff. Elijah's forgetting all the good things that happened. He's just under the weight of all of this because he ran on empty for too long and it caught up with him. And he's also paranoid. Everybody's out to get me. You ever, you ever been so low that when people make comments, you fill in the blank with the worst possible reason why or what they're doing, and then you, then you, then you own that, and all of a sudden you discover, hopefully you discover, that that, that wasn't the intention at all? I've had people come to me, you know what they said or they didn't say or they didn't do this and this is what it meant? And I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait a minute. And then sometimes I have to get in the middle of it and I clarify, oh, no, I, had, I didn't mean that at all. They're just, they're paranoid. You know, they, they read into everything. And um, it's, just a, it's just a hard place to be. Again, they're, they're 
mental energy, their thinking energy, their physical, their emotional, their spiritual it is depleted. And, and they've hit that wall. And, and they didn't realize that. Again, Elijah, when he's doing the big uh, sacrifice at uh, Mount Carmel, he's not thinking, boy, I, I'm depleted. He's not reading any of this. He might feel a little tired. He might be exhausted. But he's not, he's not, he's not listening to that. And then all of a sudden, within moments, within moments, uh, he's there. Um, you know, when I was trying to think of this bottom line, I had a much wordier one, and my bride helped me come up with this one. But uh, here we go. Uh, you can't fill tomorrow by running on empty today. You can't fill tomorrow by running on empty today. And a lot of us think that if we just keep going, we're on empty, that tomorrow it will get better. But if we're trying to be re-energized physically, spiritually, emotionally, we, we've got to stop. We, we've got to refill the tank. Because when we're running on empty, when we're running on fumes, it's bad for all the systems in our life. It, it just, it just, it, it's just not good. And it's not going to turn around. It's not like a magically the next moment... Uh, you know, let's just take tired. As you're exhausted, you haven't been getting enough sleep. Never get enough sleep. Never. Get, it's not like you know if you don't change that. It's not like you're going to wake up one day after another only five hours of sleep, and all of a sudden, woo! I feel great today. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way spiritually. It doesn't work that way emotionally. It just doesn't work that way. So right now, especially if you're thinking, "Wow, I'm I'm running on empty." You know, it doesn't mean all of a sudden you just shut everything down, but you need to think, how do I refill my life? Um, a little auto mechanic person that gives these little YouTube updates on how to fix your car has this to say about letting the fuel of your life or the fuel of your car actually uh, get down. Well, some people are actually running their vehicle right to the limits, right to the fumes and the bottom of the gas in their tank, and that can actually damage your engine. I'm going to show you what it looks like when you do damage your engine. So next time that little red light comes on or that sensor that tells you you're low on fuel, it's time to make a turn into the local gas station. Don't let your vehicle run on empty. It'll save you in the long haul. That was worth the price of admission this morning, wasn't it? Now it just changed your life. Some of you need to stop off and get gas on the way home today. But what's true for your car is true for you. It's true for me. All that sediment, all that junk, when everything's running low, it starts getting sucked up into your being and starts to affect the way you think, what you're doing. So we've got to keep our fuel tank higher than empty, higher. And uh, obviously we do that at the pit stop, I'm told, in NASCAR times. You stop at the pit stop and you get all that stuff, and that's where you get your refueling, and that's where everything changes, and that's what, that's what Elijah does. Uh, he moves on, and he realizes that he's got to go to he's got to go to his pit stop. He's got to get he's got to get recharged. We read this in verse five of chapter nineteen. Then he laid down under that bush and fell asleep. And at once an angel touched him and said, "Get up and eat." He looked around, and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals, a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again, his cloak around him. Interesting. The bottoms falled out, fell out in his life. He's depleted. He's isolated. And the first thing God does, the first thing God does for him is gives him something to eat and something to drink and gives him sleep. Nothing spiritual there, nothing emotional there. He knew that all that other stuff couldn't even be addressed until physically he was at the place that he needed to be. It amazes me that, uh, you know, when I think of angels, you know, I think of them like with flaming swords and everything, but here you've got the, the, the bread angel, or in other versions it talks about the cake. You've got a, a cake angel, and, you know, you know, so he's, you know, wakes up, and there's this angel with cake. It's awesome. God knows exactly what you need. Now, if that was me, I would need the five guys angel, you know, fries, double bacon burger thing. That, that's what I would need, but, but I guess Elijah was into cake or into bread, so... But again, it's, and, then, and then he eats it, drinks it, falls asleep, and gets another meal. You see, sometimes you and I don't realize that we're not robots. We're not machines. And we need to rest. We need to take care of ourselves physically. And I know when I'm tired, 
I, I, don't, I don't think clearly. I don't say the right things. Uh, when, I don't, when I don't take care of myself physically, uh, I'm, I'm running on empty. And uh, God addresses that with Elijah. That's the first thing. He doesn't say, come on, Elijah, you know, you should know common sense. I'm on your side. I just did this. I just did this. I, you know, I fed you at the brook. I, the widow, you know, you know, he doesn't go through all that stuff. Come on. No, he lets him rest, lets him sleep, lets him eat. Now, some of us, sometimes me, I can use sleep and eat to escape. That's not what we're talking about here. But when you and I have legitimate resting, we need to do that. And we live in a world that just doesn't let us rest. Back, you know, before electricity, people slept and got eight to nine hours of sleep every night. That was the normal that was the way it was. Um, you know, for us, most of us, that's called vacation, if we can get it on vacation. We don't take care of it. So we're always going to be running a little bit on empty. We're going to be sucking up some of the sludge in our tank if we're not taking care of ourselves uh, physically. Goes on. Now he's going to go and meet and, and talk with him. And we get this, this, this story about how, you know, this is just going to transpire and how God is going to let him vent and he vents and we've already read that verse in 14 and then he speaks to him and he wants him to, to talk with him. He says that uh, I will come and meet with you and the Lord said go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard that, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Interesting. All the shock and awe things. Boom, 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 boom. Stop. You know, that, that's not God. But when he hears the whisper, some of us never let our lives be quiet enough so that we hear the whisper. Never quiet enough, never undistracted enough to hear the whisper. And we wonder why we're never refueled, why we're not strengthened. Sometimes it means being quiet and waiting for him to speak and listening uh, for the whisper. Then he goes on and talks to him. He says, uh, you know, let some vent, let some share these things. And he says, go back the way you came. And we're going to see in a few minutes that, that some of us have gotten five miles into the woods, five miles down the road. And sometimes for us to pull that together, we've got to go five miles out. It's not a quick, instant, uh, you know, fix. If it's taking you five years to get where you are, it might take you five years to get out of that might take you three years. Usually God's gracious and it isn't as long. But to expect that uh, if we have five years in or five miles in or whatever you want to, I'm using the word five, whatever, number five, but whatever that is, you've you got to get back out. And so for Elijah, go back the way you came. And then in verse 19, we read this. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak over, cloak around him. In other words, saying, hey, come join me. So when we think about refueling real quickly, there's some things to think about when we're running on empty. First of all is eating and sleeping, healthy. Uh, and uh, some of us, some of us, well, it's just a bad season of life. I just can't do it. But if we were to talk with you a little bit longer, we'd discover that that bad season of life has been like, like 10 years. It's going to get better next, and it just never does. And there is some part about sleeping right, eating right. And for Elijah, that's where it started. Uh, some, oh, that's not spiritual. It, it, it is. We're in a physical body, and our physical body affects the way we think, it affects our heart, our soul, all those kinds of things. So we need to take normal care of it. Um, also, we see that uh, he talked to God. This isn't in your notes, but just a couple, uh, you know, ideas when it comes to this. Uh, let's see, which one do I want to share? Okay, this is Moses. 
Moses uh, is talking to God. He says, he asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you've put a burden all of these people on me? Did I conceive these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant and the land you promised and an oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy. If this is how you're going to treat me, go ahead. Please take my life. Kill me. If I found favor in your eyes, uh, you know, do not let me face my own ruin. And what does God say to that? He says, print it. Print it. He didn't say, oh, you just shared your heart with me. We don't want that stuff. Jeremiah, same thing. Elijah, the same thing. There's a time where we need to share what is going on in our heart and and get it out there. Not, Not being disrespectful, but being real. And these people are real, and that's a part of that process. Elijah's real. I feel like I'm a lonely person. I feel like I'm alone. I'm the only one. Everybody's out to get me. And he communicates that. And again, what does God say? Print that. He doesn't say, let's not put that part in the Bible because, you know, that, that, you know he's kind of crossing a the line there. He's sharing too much of his heart. No, he says, share that. Express that. So when you and I are looking to be replenished, refueled, yes, we need to take care of ourselves physically, but when we're feeling the weight of our life, God's got broad enough shoulders for us to let him know what we're thinking because the reality of it is he already knows. Isn't that unbelievable? It's not like you're surprising him. He knows what's going on in our hearts. And there's some clarity, there's some refreshment of actually getting it out on the table. And in some ways, that makes us more ready to hear from God. And uh, that's, what, that's what Elijah does. He hears from God. Uh, God uh, comforts him, tries to give him some understanding, and then also gives him some, in a sense, orders, some things to do. He talks about retracing his steps. See where, where you went offline. See where you got on the wrong road. And go back and, and fix that. Go back and try to correct that. And he gives them some orders, go back the way you came. And then also, it's interesting, he, he gives them some things to do. He says, re-engage, re-engage. And he doesn't give him complex things to do, anoint some kings, do this, do that. He, he wants them to re-engage. And sometimes you and I, when we've been uh, just totally drained, we're totally empty, we retrace our steps, but we stop a little too short, and we don't re-engage our world. And not re-engage our world with the big complex things, but with the simple things. He knows how Elijah is gifted. He knows what Elijah is about. And so he says, re-engage. Do those things. Start to get into the rhythm of normalcy, of what it means to be my prophet. And for those of us today who are Christ followers, and we've been depleted, and we've run on empty, he says, re-engage. Start to do the normal things. Not too heavy lifting, but just start to get in that, and you'll start to find you're replenished. Because at least as a Christ follower, this is unbelievable, what replenishes us is when we start to serve others, when we start to give our lives away to others. It's a weird thing, but actually we find life swelling up within us when we re-engage. And then I love this. He says, don't go this alone. Uh, He has Elijah in verse 19 ready for him and waiting for him. And so we, we don't go this alone. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know where you're at in that cycle, but we all get to those places where we run on empty. It, it's a part of life. It's, it's where we can find ourselves. The question is, is how long will we run on the fumes? And if we're in the middle of that, how long will we stop and get replenished, get refilled up? Because as our bottom line said, you can't fill tomorrow by running on empty today. It's not gonna, it's just, it's not gonna happen. You're gonna be just as empty tomorrow, a week from now, two years from now, if you just keep running on empty. We gotta stop. We gotta go to the pit stop and we gotta replenish. We gotta refuel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this story of Elijah. We thank you that it's real, it's honest, it's transparent, it's not. Uh, pie-in-the-sky kind of talking. Elijah has is, is come to the end of the rope. He's tired. 
He's empty. And uh, it's amazing that you come alongside him and give him exactly what he needs in the order that he needs it. And I pray that for us today, no matter where we're at, that if we're at the end, if we're totally empty, that we would find that you can come alongside us and give us right what we need in the moment. And it would start to slow down, would start to get replenished so that we don't run on empty. Because until we deal with that, it's just going to continue on and on and on. So we thank you for your love for us. And we just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time in our service, we just remind you of uh, and thank you for your continued uh, sacrificial giving and generosity during this time. Uh, we completely understand that it's difficult if your income is dropped off or it's non-existent. We, we, we get that. But we appreciate the way uh, folks have been generous and been sacrificial. You can see the uh, very practical ways you can help us out with that uh, on the screen right now. Uh, so if you feel led to do that, we just want to thank you for that. Uh, just a reminder that we will be doing our uh, coffee time online, virtual coffee time. You'll see information again on the screen about that. You also can go to our Facebook page and click on that and uh, join us. Uh, last week it was great. I, I don't know if we had uh, 20 or 30 little people, little squares joining us, representing, I don't know, 40 or 50 people. It was just great to see faces we haven't seen in a while. And if you are facing some kind of need, uh, please reach out to me and let me know and we'll see what we can do. Also, I thank you for those that have sent me emails, reached out to me, called me, text messaged me and said, if there's a need, I want to help. So we'll try to coordinate all of that together. Uh, thank you again. Be well, be safe, and God bless. Trees unbroken, trees unending, be yours, be yours forevermore. Trees untainted, trees unfading, be yours, be yours forevermore. Be yours, be yours forevermore. Praise be yours, God.
my praise be yours, God, forever. Lord, take this life, let it become your throne, unbroken praise be yours. Unbroken praise be yours, God, forever. All my praise be yours, God, forever. Lord, take this life, let it become your throne. Unbroken praise be yours, unbroken. 